Oh, Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this wonderful morning. And we ask that you would eliminate every distraction that would prevent us from receiving from your word. Lord God, we desire to honor you with our lives. We desire to honor you with all that we have. We desire to seek you in your word and to hear from you and to know that you work in and through our lives to your glory. Lord, we commit to you this time now and ask that you would be glorified in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, this morning we are in the book of Acts and we are in chapter 19 where we left off last week in verse 23. And in verse 23, we see that the enemy has his tactics. The enemy has his methods. Paul tells us we are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. We are aware of the wiles of the devil. We are aware that there is a devil, that we do have an enemy, and that he does things not only to mess with us, but he does things to promote his kingdom of darkness at the expense of the kingdom of light. Amen? We understand that all the things that he does, this enemy of ours, is designed to keep us where he can defeat us. The enemy is out there and he's trying to defeat us because the kingdom of God is the kingdom of victory. So here's what I know. I know in my heart that God wants us to be aware of how the enemy works. So what this scripture tells us today as we read through it is one of the ways that the enemy will work against us. Let's read. In verse 23 of Acts chapter 19... About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in no little business for the craftsmen. He called them together, along with the workmen in related trades, and said, Men, you know we receive a good income from this business, and you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that man-made gods are not gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. There you have the enemy coming full force against Paul and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in and through his life. You see, the Lord had worked mightily through Paul in the city of Ephesus for about three years. The province of Proconsular Asia was the western region of Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey. We've talked a lot about this. And this city of Ephesus, this maritime city, the capital of Proconsular Asia, was distinguished for its temple, the chief shrine of Artemis and Diana, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It's also known for this open sky theater that seated 50,000 people. That'll come into the narrative today. The Lord had done extraordinary miracles through Paul. And the name of the Lord was held in high honor by the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus. Things were going well. The word of the Lord had spread widely and powerfully through those living in Ephesus. You know, when that happens, when the Lord is working mightily... The enemy comes against us. We're going to see exactly how this enemy worked. 
The church now threatened the commercial interests of the idolatrous craftsmen of Ephesus. The Jewish leaders that were persecuting the church referred to the church as the way. That was sort of a derogatory term, the way. And these idolatrous craftsmen were led by a man by the name of Demetrius. He was determined to protect his business. He was a very successful silversmith who crafted shrines of Artemis and Diana. These are not just idols. These are demons. Diana was the Roman name. Artemis was the Greek name. These are not gods. These are demonic forces. We talked about this last week. This was a city filled with the occult. Is is it any surprise that when you come against the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of darkness comes against you? Is it any surprise? Why are we surprised? We shouldn't be. So here's what happened. He called together all the craftsmen, all the idolaters, all the wicked occultists, called them all together. They united under one banner. All of the workmen that were in the related trades in the city, all those that depended upon idolatry and occultism got together. They worked together. We've seen this in our world today. All types of forces will come together for the purpose of trying to defeat the gospel and the kingdom of light. That's exactly what happened here. Now, he reminded them their livelihood was being threatened by Paul's teaching. Paul had been successful in reaching the province of Asia with the gospel. Paul's teaching directly challenged their worship of false gods. When you step out and challenge things like this, spirits like this, occult forces like this, you can expect retaliation. So why are we surprised in our world today that the forces of darkness are on the rise, so to speak, trying to defeat the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God? They won't. But they come against people of good heart and people of conscience. They come against people of God. And they do this in surprisingly similar ways throughout the centuries. Because the tactics of the enemy, the schemes of the devil, we're not ignorant of, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. Because we know how he works. He only has but so many strings on his guitar. He uses the same playbook over and over again. Why? Because it works. We need not be ignorant of how the devil works. The scripture has taught us many times and in many ways those exact things. So here's what we know. Demetrius defended the reputation of their trade. This is really more about the economy than it is about idolatry, although idolatry was their economy. And this was about the reputation of their trade and of the temple of Artemis or Diana. The word of God discredited these idolatrous craftsmen for their work. It made them look bad. The word of God also discredited the temple of Artemis and the goddess herself. And they've decided now we're going to stand up for this goddess who is no goddess at all, but rather a demon. They're going to stand up and they're going to protect their selfish interests. And there are always selfish interests associated with the occult. Believe me, people who get involved in the occult are in it for themselves. But the spirits they're worshiping, the spirits they're in league with are out to destroy them nonetheless. And all of us, if they can, but they can't because God is greater. Amen? So here's what we know. We know that Artemis was worshipped by the Greeks throughout proconsular Asia. In fact, throughout the world. And Christianity exposed 
Artemis or Diana as a false god without any divine majesty. It told the truth. When you tell the truth about evil, you can expect evil to come at you full force. We've seen it in our world. When someone's brave enough to stand up and tell the truth, oh, forget about it. It's over. You will be attacked relentlessly from the media. You will be attacked on social media. You will be attacked over and over again in our world and by those in power because you dared to tell the truth. Well, these idolatrous craftsmen did what the enemies of truth and the enemies of the gospel always do. They attacked, and here's what they did. I know it's hard to imagine this ever happening. They started a riot. Over the last two years, I've been forced to endure, as all of you have, these so-called protests, which are riots, and are motivated by the devil. And the people who show up at these riots are demonic, They come out with the purpose to do harm, destroy property under the guise of promoting race by destroying neighborhoods of people of race. We can see it. Our eyes are open. We recognize it's garbage. It's nonsense. It's occultic. It's demonic. We see it for what it is. And yet I find it interesting that the only time anything's ever called a riot was is when some conservatives get out of hand. But if wacko progressives decide to burn down a city, it's just a peaceful protest. Didn't you know? So when I look at what's happened in our world and I see what happened here at this time, I recognize very clearly how the enemy works. The enemy likes to start riots. So we're not ignorant of the devil's schemes, right? We're not ignorant. Amen. Say amen. We're not ignorant. He not only misses or messes with heating systems, he also starts riots. He does things to distract us. He does things to keep us from God's word. He, that's how he operates. And if he can create fear or a pandemic or the fear of a pandemic, if he can create a riot in the streets or crime surges in our cities, if he can divide people along the lines of race and other issues, if he can hurt us in that way, he will. He is, and we need to recognize where it's coming from. I'm not going to be bashful about it. It's, it's demonic. Anyone who gets up on any side of the political spectrum and suggests that it's ever appropriate to behave in this manner may not be possessed, but they're certainly being operated by Satan and the demonic hordes. There's no way. You can't get up and say, I'm going to go burn down somebody's business. I'm going to smash and grab. I'm going to do all these things to hurt people and suggest for a minute that you could ever be right about what you're saying. You're wrong. You're a liar. and The devil's a liar. We see it for what it is. So here's what happened in this city. The idolatrous craftsmen started a riot. Look at verse 32. Excuse me, 28. In verse 28, when they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and rushed as one man into the theater, and Paul wanted to appear before the crowd. But the disciples would not let him. Talk about brave. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. And the assembly, the assembly was in confusion. Some of them were shouting one thing. 
Some another and most of the people notice most of the people notice most of the people did not even know why they were there. I can close the Bible right now. We can go home. We got the point. We need to be aware of how the devil works, not in the first century, in this century. It's the same devil. It's the same demons. It's the same kingdom of darkness. It's the same tactic. These are the wiles or the schemes of the enemy. So pray against them. Recognize them. Call them out. Don't let people tell you there's anything peaceful about this. Don't let people tell you it's a protest. It's a riot. In fact, it's a demonic riot. Now, I think that these words of Demetrius incited the people, but I know who was inspiring him. These people were incited by the words of Demetrius, who was looking to promote his commercial interests. And they succeeded in creating a chaotic uproar throughout the whole city. And what did the rioters do? They seized two members of Paul's ministry team, and they dragged them into that theater, that 50,000-seat theater that we've talked about. They're Gaius and Aristarchus, and they had traveled with Paul while he was in Macedonia. Gaius and his household were, had been baptized by Paul while he was in Corinth. We know that. He told us that in 1 Corinthians. He was later Paul's host when Paul wrote his epistle to the Romans, and he probably allowed Paul to hold services in his home in that city. So this is one of the members of the ministry team. And then there's Aristarchus, who later on, well, he was originally from Thessalonica. He's with Paul now. He, he later traveled with Paul when he returns to Macedonia and Greece, and he sailed ahead to Troas. He, he was a part of the team throughout the rest of the third missionary journey. And he traveled with Paul as he made his way to Jerusalem. He even sailed with Paul from Caesarea to Rome when they were shipwrecked. This man was by Paul's side. And he was later imprisoned with Paul at Rome. This is a faithful man of God. Two faithful men of God. What happens? They're attacked. They're dragged into that open sky theater. And these people are going crazy. And it says not some, most didn't even know why they were there. All the devil has to do is get a few people with maybe some commercial interests or selfish interests to incite a mob. And before you know it, the mob is dragging Christians into the streets, people of good conscience, to defeat or try to defeat the work of God. This is how it happens. It's what happened then. Now, I love Paul. Paul may have been a tough guy. He may have been a little guy, but he wasn't afraid. It says here that he was determined to rescue these men. Let me at him. And his friends are saying, Paul, you can't go in there. It's, this is all about you and the work of God through you. And whether they were right or wrong, I don't know, but they prevented Paul from going into that theater. He wanted to go in there and rescue these guys. And then his friends who were officials in the city even said, Paul, you can't go in there. But he was willing to go. I think they had to hold him down. What do you think? The Jews then get involved. They figure, we'll bring peace. Or maybe their motives were more, we want to make sure no one thinks that we're part of Paul. Maybe they wanted to just distance themselves from Paul and the ministry. But here's what we read in verses 33 through 34. The Jews pushed Alexander to the front and some of the crowd shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours. We've never seen this before. For two hours, they shouted, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. 
That's what they did for two hours to try to drown out Alexander. Now, the thing is, Alexander, I don't know what his motives were, but the Jews likely wanted to communicate that they didn't support Paul. Hey, listen, we're not a part of him. Don't get us involved. Don't be angry with us. Making disclaimers, perhaps. Because you see, Alexander, he was unable to silence the rioters once they realized he was a Jew. What the people, the, the idolaters and the occultists of, Art, uh, of, of the Temple of Artemis and of Ephesus are doing is guilt by association. They're saying, okay, well, you guys are Jews. They're Jews. We hate all of you. Oh, it's not hard to imagine a world where demonically inspired people hate Jews, is it? One of the ways you know it's Satan. Satan hates God's people, whether Christian or Jews. So this is what happens. They drowned him out, chanting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Two hours of that, I would have lost my mind. By the way, a man named Alexander was a metal worker who, who Paul later mentioned uh, that he excommunicated. It may have been the same Alexander, we don't know, but Demetrius the silversmith had caused a lot of grief, certainly. So this is a problem, and yet it is an opportunity. Why do I say that? Because the last time I checked, we're told to stand and be counted for Christ, to dress up, to suit up in the armor of God, and to stand. Right? Amen? Why are you surprised? Why are we surprised that there's a battle? If you were drafted, and you were sent overseas to fight in a war, and they started shooting at you, and your response was, how could they shoot at us? It's so unkind. They're not nice. You'd be a fool. If you're in the military, or in law enforcement, or a first responder, you know you're running into danger. You know what you're called to do. As Christians, you are called to deal with this. I know we all wanted to go back to normal like normal was so great. You know what normal was? Normal was Christians going to sleep in their pews. I don't want to go back to normal. I want to go forward to victory. I'm sick and tired of the church looking like somebody sitting on the sidelines that just got hit too hard out on the field in concussion protocol. But that's what the churches look like. We're sitting there thinking, wait a minute, what's going on here? How could they not like us? They won't let me on Twitter. They took me off of YouTube. Why doesn't the world like me? The world hates you. I serve a Savior, and so do you, who told us that the world will despise us and hate us. And we respond with love. We don't go out there with weapons and take them on it. That's not what we're called to do. I'm not suggesting that. You just become like them. But in love and according to God's strength and in prayer, we go against, we stand up, and we preach even more. We love even more. We pray even more. We stand up and we're counted for Christ by doing what he's called us to do without apology. I'm sick and tired of Christians thinking that the strategy is to hide in your basement. It's not the strategy. The strategy is to stand to be counted for Christ. As for what happened in this riot, it settled down pretty quickly for one reason. Look at verses 35 through 41. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Men of Ephesus, doesn't all the world know 
that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven. Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to be quiet and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, that is Gaius and Aristarchus, Though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess, if then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open. Imagine that, law and order. The courts are open and there are proconsuls and they can press charges. And if there's anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of today's events. And in that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. And after he said this, he dismissed the assembly. Now, how was he able to just dismiss the assembly? He threatened them with Roman justice. Roman justice doesn't take you into custody and then redo your rights. They find you rioting. The very next thing that happens is you're killed. That got through. Pleading with them didn't get through. But what did get through was justice. Justice. And I'm not saying that's the kind of justice I want to live under, but the threat of justice and prosecution actually works. Imagine that. Imagine a world where if somebody does something like this, they go to jail. I know. That's how it used to be. We live in a world now where people aren't punished for their crimes, and we wonder why people feel empowered to act in criminal ways and commit crimes and riot, and do these things. One of the first things we need to do is pray for our nation that we get back to a system of justice. Because God has given us the government. I know many people here, oh, I hate the government. No, God has given us the government to prevent these things. The solution to this rioting was a strong government. So Christians, don't be like, oh, you know, I don't get involved in politics. Oh, I don't care about that. No, you better care about the government because when you have a problem, that's who you call. You don't go ahead and get guns and cause an uprising. You have to look to your governing officials to protect you from lunatics and demonically oppressive people. So yes, we, there is a government part of this that deals with unrest in the practical realm. But spiritually speaking, The church has to be willing to stand on its feet and be counted for Christ. Amen? Oh, the whole world knew. He spoke with them, made it very clear. He encouraged them to stop doing what they're doing, criticized them for doing what they were doing because what they were doing was unjust. Go to court. You got a problem? Take it to court. They could have settled their issues legally, but there were no issues. This wasn't about issues. This was about a demonically inspired horde of people trying to bring what we sometimes refer to as mob justice. And we've seen far too much of it in our world. So what do we do about it? Well, if you're in the government, then you have a responsibility to quell these things. But if you're not, and you're like me, and you just don't want your family and your loved ones to be in jeopardy because of these things, you need to pray. Pray for a strong government. Not an oppressive government, a strong government. And for people and men and women of conscience to be placed in positions through our elections so that they can properly dispense justice and not a brutal form of Roman justice, but at least a justice that holds criminals accountable for their crimes. And no, I'm not running for office. (laughs) And no, I don't want to return to the quote-unquote normal we had when everyone was asleep. I want us to stay awake. I do. And while this man succeeded in disbanding the rioters by threatening Roman-style justice, that is not how we win our victories. The weapons of our warfare 
are not carnal or fleshly. The government has their responsibility. Ours are not carnal or fleshly. They're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And we're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. We recognize how the devil works. If you're, if you were doubtful, or if you were wondering why people were rioting in the streets over the last two years, now you know. Now you understand, if you didn't know already, that this is the work of the kingdom of darkness. So what do we do? I'm going to read one scripture, and I'm going to ask Pastor Russ to come up to close us. Here's what we know, and then we'll turn the heat back on. We know in Ephesians, of all books, right, Ephesians? We know in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul told us this, and I want you to remember this this week, because you will be attacked. You are in a war. There's no sideline here. It's time for Christians to stand and be counted. Here's what we learn. In verse 10 of chapter 6, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We ask that you would continue to work in this church and through our lives, and work against the enemy and all that he desires to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.